The, the phrase I, I want to, in the title of the message today, is walking in newness of life. Walking in newness of life. Because I believe there's a lot of Christians that have received new life, but they're not walking in it. Matter of fact, I know a lot of Christians that have received and have, re have received the life of Jesus, but they're not walking in the new life. So today is your day to start walking in new life. Today's your day. So the title of the message, Walking in Newness of Life, it comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. So our main text today is going to be Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. And I would encourage you to read the entire passage later today, later this week. Really, the entire uh, passage starts in chapter 5, but, but really Romans 6, 1 through 14. And it, there's more than I'm going to have time. So today will be a shorter than normal message because we want to have time to uh, allow for anybody that does not know Jesus to accept Jesus. And then anybody that is saved, we want to give you the opportunity to be baptized. So you don't have to attend church here. You don't have to belong here. You just need to have accepted Jesus as your Savior. So if you read, the, uh, if you read in the book of Acts, and we see um, uh, Philip, who is an evangelist, and, and God tells him to go uh, follow the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, he's in, he's in a chariot. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And, and Philip asked him, he said, do you know what you're reading? He said, no, I, I don't know. Is this talking about, who, who's this talking about? It says, Philip explained to him Jesus. Talked to him about Jesus. And it says the eunuch said, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may be. And the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And it says they stopped the chariot, got out, they went into the water, and Philip baptized. So, you know, a lot of times we can get caught up with religiosity and tradition and and things that man has brought into the equation. And you say, well, I want to be baptized. And somebody says, well, have you gone to baptism class? That's not biblical. Philip led this guy to the Lord. He accepted Jesus, and he baptized him. When, when Paul and Silas were beaten in jail, and they're taken to the jailer's house, it says he went to their house, they got saved, and immediately they got baptized. When Peter's preaching to, to everybody in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and, and they're convicted about having crucified the Savior. And he said, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the promise of the Spirit. So all through the book of Acts, we see baptism happening almost immediately after salvation. It's kind of like your next step. It's your Let's just call it this. It should be your first step. You, one of your first steps of obedience, if not your first step. And so we see this precedent. These people that got saved in the book of Acts, they had issues. Anybody got an issue in their life? It's okay. You know what? He didn't say, well, you got to get saved, and you got to get rid of this sin, and get this out of your life, and quit living this way, and quit doing that. He said, get saved, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will take care of those things in your life. God's Word will change you. The Holy Spirit will, will direct you and guide you and start breaking off the things in your life that need broken off. 
So one of our mission, our main mission here at City Reach, let's go to the first verse, Matthew chapter 28. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. At this time, it's right before he ascends into heaven, so there's only 11 of them. And he's speaking to the 11. And at City Reach, you know, our mission is to reach the one who is far from God. So, but it doesn't stop there. So often we're saying, well, we reach the one, we reach the one that's far from God. But the next part of that is, and to make them or help them become a passionate follower of Jesus. So when Jesus commissioned the disciples, he doesn't commission them to go out and just reach the one. He doesn't commission them to just go get people saved and make converts. He says, I want you to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, as it says in, in Mark chapter 16. But here he says, go make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. Now, a disciple is different than a convert. See, a convert or conversion has to do with a specific time in your life. The day you got saved. The day that you became a, became a follower of Jesus or accepted Christ. But being a disciple is a little bit different. It talks about ongoing learning, maturing, growing, following, listening to the Holy Spirit. And he says, I just don't want you to make converts. I want you to make disciples. I think it's interesting, he's talking to his disciples and telling them to make disciples. You cannot disciple somebody if you're not a disciple yourself. Because like produces like. You can't produce something that you're not. So in order for you to, to follow this command of Jesus to make a disciple, you need to be a disciple. And he says, I want you to make disciples. Not just converts. See, here's the thing I, I can tell. I can tell the church has a lot of converts and not a lot of disciples because when adversity comes, converts tend to run. Disciples stay because they have a firm foundation, because they're grounded, because they've surrounded themselves with a body of believers that are going to help them through the tough times. So that's what we're here to do. We're here as a church to help you become a disciple of Jesus, to help you become a follower of Jesus. And that's really, baptism is part of that. It says, go, it says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some people like to make an issue about that and say, well, sometimes it says baptized in the name of Jesus, and here it says in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you were baptized in the name of Jesus, you were also baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So don't let people confuse you with that. Uh, Paul says in the book of Colossians, he says, the fullness of the Godhead, everything that's in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit dwells in Jesus. So if you're baptized in Jesus, you're also baptized in all three. Uh, I just, by preference, will probably say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, teach those disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always. So he says, teach them. Teach them to obey what I've commanded you. So when you become a disciple, you make disciples, you baptize the disciple, and you teach them. You teach them to follow Jesus' commands. And, and so baptism is not only a commandment for me to do, I'm commanded to make disciples and baptize, but it's also, it's not like I can come put you in a headlock, right? We're going to baptize you today. And if you don't do it, you're getting a noogie. Or maybe a throat punch, or maybe a, 
arm. No, we're not going to force you to do it. So I have, a, I have a responsibility to baptize, but you have to be willing to be baptized. You've got to want to do it. See, a lot of times people, for whatever reason, don't get baptized. Maybe you don't know why you should get baptized. And so today I just want to take a few minutes and talk to you about, as Pastor Jay said, what it's symbolic of. What we're actually declaring when we get baptized. So a lot of times in the Bible, Jesus uses natural things that we can see to help us understand spiritual principles. Think when he teaches. He always taught in parables. He says, the kingdom of God is like unto as if a man should cast seed on the ground. And so he used things that were easy to see and understand to help you have a grasp of a spiritual truth. And if you can see what we're going to illustrate today, you're going to have a better understanding of what took place in your life the day you accepted Jesus. I believe that. So some people don't get baptized because they don't know. Some people don't get baptized because of tradition. Because their parents, it's like, oh, don't, don't do that. You, you were baptized as a Presbyterian when you were a little kid. Or you were baptized as a Catholic. Or, or we don't want to attend that denomination. Whatever it is. You have this tradition. Well, let me tell you this. I was, I was sprinkled as a little baby two years old, and I was sprinkled as a sinner, and I, and I was unsprinkled as a sinner. Because at two years old, I couldn't make a decision to accept Jesus. So you could do it all day long. I don't believe it has any effect on the salvation of a child. Some people don't know. Some people were scared. Anybody scared to get in the water? I got one. I got one person scared to get in the water. Well, as of today, now this could change today. As of today, Pastor Jay and I are batting 1,000. Right? We've never lost anybody under the water yet. Now, that, that yet. So I got a perfect record. Don't, don't break my string. I had a guy last October. He was, uh, he's actually a relative of mine. He's since passed on, but he had a pacemaker. And he came to get baptized, and we were baptizing in the lake. And it, my legs were numb. It was cold. And he said, he goes, if my pacemaker stops and I flatline, just let me go. I was like, you ain't dying on my watch. But so far, no need to be fearful. Some people, it's a pride issue, right? I don't want anybody to see me all wet. Nobody cares. I don't want to see my makeup running down my face. Or maybe it's a pride issue that you realize you've been saved so long, and now it's been so long since you've been baptized, it'll speak to the fact that you've been disobedient all your life. Put that behind you. That all stops today. That all stops today. You don't ever have to come in this building with an ounce of shame. Ever. Jesus didn't just take your sin, he didn't just take your sickness, but he carried every ounce of shame to that cross as well. So you can come up here and you can stand here knowing that you're the righteousness of God. Alright, let's go to Romans chapter 1. We're going to have to move. So this picks up from Romans 5, where Paul says that the law came, and when the law came, sin abounded. And when sin abounded, grace even more abounded. So that if you literally preach the gospel of grace the way the Apostle Paul did, it will make this question come up. And he says in Romans 6.1, he asks a rhetorical question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we keep living 
a sinful life just so we can make the God, grace of God increase? Certainly not. But if you understand grace and forgiveness to the degree that Jesus provided it, that question will come up. But it's, the answer is no. Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer? And he said, you're dead to sin. Now, he didn't say you're dead to sinning, the verb. He said you're dead to sin, the noun. That the old sin nature that was once in you, that pro propelled you into sin, that caused you to sin, that had mastery over your life, that thing's gone. And it's dead. And when it's dead, it's buried. He said, no, you're not going to continue in that because if you've died to sin, why would you live in sin? See, when we're dead to sin, that's when we need to start living in newness of life. And that's where we're going. It says, do you not know as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Now, a lot of people say that this passage pertains to water baptism. I don't personally believe that. Because I can baptize you in the name of Jesus. I can baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But I cannot baptize you into Christ. I cannot place you into the body of Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. See, Let's go to the next slide. It says, you died to sin when you were baptized into Christ. So the, the moment that you get baptized into Jesus or placed into Jesus is the moment that the old sin nature dies. And I want to just show you two scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then Galatians chapter 3. Go to the next slide. We're going to leave these quick. It says, as the body is one and has many members, but, as, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, so it's the job of the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you or immerses you or places you into the body of Jesus. When you accept Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit puts you in the body. Now you're a member of the body of Christ. He said, whether Jew or Greek, slaves or free, we all have been made to drink into one spirit. All right, quickly look at Galatians chapter 3. And it says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. So how do you become a child of God? Through faith in Jesus. It's not faith plus, plus, plus. It's just faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ, which is what the Holy Spirit does, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, you are all one in Jesus. Now if you don't believe me and you think that's talking about water baptism, then that would mean when I dip you in the water and if you're a boy, you're not coming up a boy. Or if you're a Jew, you're not coming up a Jew. Water does not change your gender. Water does not change your ethnicity. Water does not change your economic status. It says that the Holy Spirit places you in Christ, and in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither free nor slave. There's neither uh, male nor female. We're all one. That's not talking about water baptism. But water baptism pictures exactly what the Holy Spirit does when you accept Jesus. Next slide. 
It says, do you not know as many of you were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? So when Jesus died, it says when Jesus died, he took all of our sins, every sin you ever committed, Jesus took on him, died the death that you deserve, and then went to hell, preached the gospel, and rose again and came back. And it says, when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit places you in Christ. And whatever's true of Christ, because you're now in Him, is now true of you. And see, that's why He says, when Jesus died, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus rose, you rose. Because He already did it in the natural, but now we get to do it by faith. See, so when you're placed in Him, whatever's true of Him is now true of you. Right? You don't have to do it. You just have to believe. That's it. Because He's done, let's say this, He's done the heavy lifting. Right? You deserve to die. You deserve to pay for every rotten thing you ever did. Paul says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God, is righteousness. Free. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead. All right, look at this. You accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit places you in him. Notice the tenses of these verbs. Were, you were died. That's not it. You died. Not were died. You were buried. You were risen. Past tense or present tense? Past tense. It's done. But see, now that you have been, now that you have died, now that you have been buried, now that you have risen with him, you should walk in newness of life. See, when a change took place in your life that you can't see, but now the thing that you can't see should be evidenced by what people can see. There should be a difference in your life once you've been made new. Next slide. Similar to what it says in Colossians, it says, buried with him in baptism, but which you also were raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. All right, next slide, real quick. It says, everyone who has accepted Christ has died with him, has been buried with him, and has risen with him, but not everyone is walking in newness of life. And I'm not going to embarrass you today, but you know who you are. See, here's the great thing about baptism. As Pastor Jay said earlier, I'm, see, in order for me to walk in newness, if you read farther in, in, in the book of Romans chapter 6, it says, knowing this, recognizing this. Uh, it's, it's an accounting term. It literally means to, to account for and to reckon. It says, knowing this, that your old man is dead and you're no longer a slave to sin. So part of reckoning, part of understanding happens right here. That I'm walking into this tub. Yes, I've been spiritually set free. Yes, my old man is dead, but I'm leaving it here today. And I'm walking in and I'm walking out into newness of life. 
Do you think about the children of Israel when, when they were delivered from Egypt? They were delivered when they put the blood over the doorpost. It's what they called the Passover. Spoke to the blood of Jesus that would one day cleanse your sin. And then, then they went through the Red Sea to depart from Egypt. Guess what got left in the Red Sea? The Egyptians. That's a picture of what you're going to leave here today. The thing that has kept you in bondage these years. The thing that you've been struggling with these years. The thing that you can't get your mind off of that you shouldn't be thinking about. That mouth that won't quit running 100 miles an hour. That won't quit backbiting and gossiping. Those pants that can't stay up when they should be up. All that stuff you can leave right here. And you're going to start reckoning that you've been set free. That doesn't control you anymore. That needle under the water. Nothing is coming out of there today. Let me just give you a couple points about newness to life. Now we're going to baptize. Next slide. Let's go to the next slide, guys. We should walk in newness of life. Now, I just want to talk about this word walk really quick. It says, you've died, you were buried, you rose again, now you should walk. That means the possibility is there, but you play a role in this. The word walk means to make, make one's way progress, to make due use of opportunities, to regulate one's life, conduct oneself, signifying the whole round of the activities of the individual life. See, a lot of people want to get baptized with one foot in the water and one foot out. Like, I, I don't want to go all the way under because there's that one thing that I don't want to give up yet. He says that I want to walk, you need to walk the entirety of your life. See, that word in the Greek is peripateo. And the beginning of that word, it's a compound word, the first part of that is peri, P-E-R-I. If you think of like a perimeter or a periscope, right? So it's talking about every part of your life. The last part, pateo, means to tread on, to walk on. Everything that you do in life, you're leaving here today. You're not going to leave one hand sticking out. You're not leaving one leg sticking out. You're getting in. And you're leaving it there. Next slide. It said, even so, we should also walk... So we're walking, we're leaving it all. It's the entirety of your life. It's everything you do in newness of life. This word newness comes from the Greek word kainos. It doesn't just mean another one. It means another one that's never, ever been before. It's a, it's a, it means life of a new state or quality. It means a new kind, novel, uncommon, unprecedented, unheard of, previously non-existent. Did you ever wonder why they call, call COVID-19 a novel coronavirus? Did you ever wonder that? why they call it a novel? Is it a novelty? Is it a book, a novel? No, it means unprecedented. It's a strain of coronavirus that's never been present or found in humans before. So think about this. Here we have an unprecedented novel uh, virus that has now produced a change in the way we live. 
Now, I hate wearing masks, but I've got to admit, I've conformed. I've changed my life because of this novel virus. How much more should you change your life because of a novel life that's been put inside of you? If you'll change your life for some stupid virus, you're not going to change your life for Jesus? It's a sad day when a virus has a greater impact on your lifestyle than Jesus Christ. And what he says, it's the same word that's used in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if any man be in Christ. How do we get in Christ? We accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit puts us in there. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New. Never been seen before. Unprecedented. Unheard of. Novel. You're a new creation. You did, he didn't take the old you and put a little makeup on you. You can put lipstick on a pig and it's still a pig. He made you new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. What happened to the old things? Those old things passed away. And that's what we're doing today. We're leaving them here. Behold, all things have become new. And because I've been made new, I'm going to walk new. I'm going to talk new. I've got new desires. I've got new ambitions. I've got new wants. I've got new dreams. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to come up here right now. Not for bad. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or don't know that you're going to heaven, I want you to come up here right now. Today's your day. Come on. I want you to stand up. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who's that? Somebody here does not know Jesus today. You can get saved today. You can get baptized today. You can get filled with the Holy Spirit today. If you don't know Jesus and you don't know you're going to heaven, you need to come up here right now. You need to come up here right now. Come on. I know there's somebody else. Somebody else. Stay right here. Anybody else want to give their life to Jesus today? This is, this is, this is the, the best decision you can ever make. You're not guaranteed, come on, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. See, if you want to know that you're going to be with your loved ones in heaven, you need to accept Jesus. Wait till the whole church is up here. I'm not going anywhere. 
Anybody else? See, every sin, let me tell you this. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. Because in and of ourselves, none of us can earn heaven, can't get to heaven, can't ever be good enough. Jesus loves you so much. He's got a plan for your life. He sees you as special. He's got big things for you. The first step to walking into that is accepting what Jesus has done for you. See, every bad thing you've ever done, Jesus took to the cross. And he hung there. And said that every sin, he became sin for me. He became sin for you guys. And he became sin so that you could become righteous. That's just a big word to mean innocent. You can be completely innocent and holy and pure before him today. All you have to do is believe in your heart. Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch, he said, if you believe in all your heart, you guys want to do that today? Have your sins washed completely clean. Become a child of God by faith. Repeat after me. Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Because of my sin, I deserve hell. But you sent Jesus to pay for my sin. That he died. He rose again. And now I put my faith in him. And I call Jesus my Lord. Amen. 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 Let's come on. Let's give him a hand. Let's stand up. Father, I just pray over these uh, precious souls right now. I stand against the enemy who will try to steal seed. Father, your word is in their heart. It's planted there. And Father, I thank you for them. I thank you for these precious ones right now. Your children. We bless them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fill them in your name.